Hi, I'm Karina. I'm the Music Ministry Director at Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honour God and make disciples. Hey everyone, we Young here. I'm joining you here from my deck outside my house uh, on my favorite seat in my favorite spot of the house where I do my devotions daily, where I spend time with God. When I look uh, at the view, I wish you could see this view in front of me. There's a reserve, the trees, uh, I hear the sound of birds and sometimes crickets. And so I hope that today's word will encourage you wherever you're joining us from, uh, whenever you're joining us from, I, I pray that this word will really not just hit you in the head, in your brains, but also it will bring uh, something will move you internally and it will bring transformation. Let me pray as we get started with this word. Father, we thank you so much for your written word that you left for us your written word that is here to inspire us, your written word that is here to uh, challenge us, your written word that is sharper than any double-edged sword and you, it judges the thoughts and, it, and the intentions of the internal man. And so, Father, we pray that even as we learn today together as a community, that you will bring something that is relevant to each and every one of our lives, uh, that we would be able to know you better, to relate with you better and ultimately to respond to you better. So Father, we love you, we honor you, we praise you uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you know our family loves shopping, uh, especially at markets. And Rita's uh, one that uh, really uh, knows the markets. And we would go to markets from time to time, from farmers markets that have uh, amazing food and uh, pastries and music and crafts to wet markets where you can just buy fresh produce. So there's this uh, fresh market close to our house called the Otara Flea Markets. And so at this uh, Otara Flea Markets, we would go there from time to time to get some of the most freshest uh, fruit and veggie from local farmers. And so um, I remember when we were a bit younger, when our kids were a bit younger, uh, we would uh, tell the kids because it's very, very busy. It's, it's packed with people. And so we would tell the kids uh, because we have two kids, we would say, OK, you follow mom and you follow me. And we sometimes will go separate ways. Uh, our kids love to get the uh, steam buns from the local sh uh, store there. And so sometimes we will go divide and conquer uh, Elias and I will go get the steam buns and Rita and Levi will go along to look for some veggies and then we'll meet up somewhere else but being such a busy place you can imagine uh, that that sometimes they would uh, get lost and we will panic and uh, our little kids uh, I would think how would they recognize us? And I remember telling them, okay, remember dad's wearing this color and mom is wearing this color. And then uh, as we go, we prepare ourselves uh, for the potential that they might get lost. Of course, we hope they don't. And really, did they get lost? But how would my, our kids, my kids, uh, recognize us in such a busy market with so many people, with so much noise, uh, you know, but there's something special about a parent and child relationship that they recognize 
our voice from anywhere. Rita says that I particularly have a really distinctive voice. Maybe you know that as well. Um, but uh, she said, I can hear you from miles away. Maybe I have a loud voice or a very specific, unique voice that she recognizes and my children recognizes. And my children have this unique way of spotting me in the, cl- in, in the crowd. Maybe it's just that I always wear the same clothes. But you see, the relationship that we have is such that they can recognize our voice, they can recognize our clothes, they can recognize what we look like in spite of being in a very busy, busy place. So today I want to look a little bit at the scriptures and especially uh, from the book of Mark chapter 6 and I want to unpack a few things to help us uh, know Jesus better so that we would be able to recognize him better as we follow him. You see, being a Christian is basically just being a follower of Jesus. A Christian is not just someone that follows a religion and does some rituals, but indeed a Christian is a follower of Jesus. And in order to follow Jesus, we must know what he looks like, what he sounds like, what he thinks about, what he cares about, what bothers him. So let's have a look uh, at the, the, the person that is Jesus that Christians worship and Christians love. As I get started, just a quick a quick recap. The last couple of weeks we've talked about how uh, Jesus is not only fully human, he is also fully God. And this mystery of mysteries that confounds our minds uh, really uh, brings us to a, 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 a deeper understanding of how incredible this God is. That this, this Jesus is not just an aloof God or deity that is far away, that sits in this high tower looking down on us and telling us what to do. This Jesus is a, was fully human and he experienced the full humanity, the full human experience and he can relate to us and he can empathize with all of our pain, all of our sufferings. And indeed he died as a human and he rose again because he was divine to pay for all of our sins, all of our weaknesses, so that we can be reconciled to Him. Amazing, isn't it? What a powerful, incredible thing as we consider the frailty of this world that we live in, the ever-changing news stories that we get, the ever-changing COVID environment, the ever-changing political landscape in the world as we read about Ukraine uh, and Russia and the USA. Uh, praying for those countries, praying for peace right now. So as we look at the book of Mark, I want to start by uh, calling the sermon uh, Jesus' Ways versus My Ways. How should we follow Jesus? Let's have a look at Mark chapter 6 verse 30 and 32. So here the the disciples or the apostles, the 12, had just been sent out two by two to perform miracles in different houses, in different towns. And they were healing the sick. They were casting out demons. And these apostles came back. And it says here in Mark 6.30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Crickets. Silence. And Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Can you imagine? These apostles were sent by Jesus to do a task, perform a mission, 
and they were so excited that they were coming back with a missions report. They had this PowerPoint presentation, they had uh, stories, they had uh, victor victorious stories, and they might even have brought some, some, some people that they had healed or uh, 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 people that had demons cast out. And, and they were trying to bring them the, a good report to Jesus saying that, hey, Jesus, we did exactly what you told us. We, we had so much of your power and we did all these miracles. And you know what Jesus did? It was almost like he was like, cool, let's go have a rest. I want to highlight that the difference between our ways or the human ways or the disciples' ways and Jesus' ways is what I call works versus relationship. You see, Jesus did send them out for a mission. Jesus knew that the mission was important and Jesus was most likely very proud of them for going ahead and being bold and carrying out the mission. But the mission itself and the results of the mission didn't seem to matter so much to Jesus. As soon as his friends, his disciples came back, the very first thing he says to them was, come away with me to a desolate place. Come away with me to have a rest. That he cared about them. He had a relationship with them. He loved them and he wanted them to rest. Do you feel worn out like I do after these last two years of craziness? Do you feel worn out after trying so hard to be the best worker, the best uh, minister, the best parent, the best sibling, the best friend that you can be? Do you feel absolutely burnt out? You know, I believe that this same Jesus that does not change is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus will re respond to you in the same way where we come to him and we want to give him a good report. We want to uh, make him proud, so to speak. And we're, we're bringing him all this, uh, these statistics and these KPIs. And he just wants to say to us, Weeyong, come away with me. Let's go to a desolate place and have a rest. Wow, how different our, uh, our perspectives are between us and Jesus. Let's have a look at Mark chapter 6, verse 34. And this is very key to understanding how Jesus operates. Not long after Jesus tells them to go away with him because he, he himself is tired. He himself has, had performed man, many miracles and ministered and taught for hours and hours on end to crowds and crowds of people. He was on his way to so-called a break. And Mark chapter 6 verse 34 says this. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, another one. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You know, those, those times where we feel tired and we, that's the last thing we want to do. Like you've had a tough day at work and you come home and, and some, your, your flatmate or your friend calls you or, or someone walks into your room without knocking and says, Hey, can you help me with this? I'm struggling with this. Or I just need to have a vent. I just need to talk. Jesus responds in this way, even though he was tired, it says he had compassion on them. The word compassion in the Greek, the original language that the New Testament was written in, is called splangzitsumai. <laughs> I hope I pronounced it correctly. Splangzitsumai means to be moved as to one's bowels. Hence, he was moved with compassion. He was moved 
to the inside parts of his body, like almost like his his bowels were, bowels were moved so much, he felt it so deeply. He had compassion upon them, and then he carried on doing what he needed to do. He carried on teaching them. That's the Jesus that we follow. That's the Jesus that Christians, disciples of Christ, follows. Reading along in Mark chapter six, verse thirty-six to thirty-seven, um, this is uh, not not long after uh, Jesus had been teaching them for a while, and it was getting dark, and the disciples uh, were were looking at the surroundings and thinking, "Oh no, the, we are in a desolate place. There's thousands of people. What are we going to do?" And they thought. They thought that this was the most compassionate thing they could do. And they said this to Jesus. They said to Jesus, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. You know what Jesus said? He answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it, um, give it to them to eat? They were... Puzzled, they were almost sarcastic towards him, going, Jesus, there's thousands of people. What are you talking about? How can we afford, how can we buy enough food for everyone? Not knowing that one of the most incredible miracles recorded in the Bible uh, was about to happen, where Jesus fed the 5,000 not only men, but women and children. So 5,000 men being probably over fifteen to 20,000 human beings in that place. The human response was looking at the practical way, looking at the, the practicalities of the situation. Jesus, why don't we just send them away and they can get their own food? But Jesus, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Jesus cared for these people and he knew that he could perform the miracle. You know, so often we we default to the practical solution. So often we think of the most easiest solutions. How can we have Jesus's perspectives? I call this the comparison between our response and Jesus's response being obligation versus compassion. That the human response was obligation that we need to feed these people. It's getting dark. We're doing the right thing. But Jesus had compassion upon these people. He had shrizzitzomai upon this. He was moved internally towards these people who he saw as sheep without a shepherd. How often do we uh, do our devotions out of obligation? How often do we serve out of obligation? How often do we give our tithes and our offerings out of obligation? Do we reach out to people and help people out of obligation? Do we do something just because our pastors and leaders and our friends ask us to do so? How often do we see things and people through Jesus' compassion? Obligation versus compassion. If we are to follow Jesus, let us recognize that Jesus' way is the way of compassion. It's not convenient. It's not easy. It requires faith. Sometimes we will see how on earth can we perform this? How on earth can we achieve this? But that is Jesus's way. And as followers of Jesus, that's what we are to strive, to seek to do. 
to be like Jesus. And the third thing I want to highlight here in this passage uh, in Mark chapter 6, verse 49 to 51, and this is after Jesus had fed the 5,000, <coughs> after he had uh, uh, done the job, he sent his disciples on a boat. He says, you guys go on ahead and I'll join you. But what Jesus wanted to do was send them away. So he had some private space, some quiet time. And it says that he went up a mountain to spend time with his dad, Father God. He went out on, up a, on a mountain and then he prayed. And then not long after that, the, the, the scene where Jesus walks on water happens where he actually ca caught up with the disciples who were on the boat and there was a mighty storm and Jesus walked in the storm towards the boat and this is what it says in Mark 6, 49 to 51. It says, but when they saw him or an outline of a person walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out for all for they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. I call this fear, the human response, versus peace, Jesus' response. You know, the thing is that the disciples, their default position was fear. Their default position was they saw the storm. Their default position was they saw in the darkness an unexplained figure floating on the water. That is such a human response. And I can understand I would do the same too. But Jesus had called out to uh, them. They said they, they all saw him. So clearly they must have recognized him. But yet they were still afraid. They thought that he was a ghost. You know, the thing is that our human response is fear because we know that within our human uh, hands, within our humanity, there are so many things that we can't do. There's so many risks. When we look at diseases, we look at wars. Fear grips our hearts. When we look at the economic situation, when we look at the potential of losing jobs, fear grips our hearts because we know there are things outside of our control. But Jesus, Jesus in all of his humanity and all of his divinity, he knew that he had control over everything. And as followers of Jesus, as we follow him, we can have that same confidence. We can have that same peace only if we do things his way. And the natural response, if you do it your way, is fear. Of course it is fear. There is no way we can have confidence in all situations, for all things, at all times, if we go it our own way. Does that make sense? So as we follow Jesus, as we draw upon Him, as we spend time with Him, as we spend time with our superhero, as we hang out with Him, we know that He is on our side, that He is on our team, that He is going to get into our boat. That is when we will have peace. And as I come to land this plane, towards the end of this passage, Mark, Mark chapter 6, verse 56, it talks about how people were bringing all their lame, all their sick, the blind, the people that need, had problems to Jesus. And it says this, And whenever he came, in Mark chapter 6, verse 56, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. 
And as many as touched him were made well. As many as touched him were made well. I want to highlight in, in closing that when we follow Jesus and we seek to live the Jesus way, like these people who were sick and broken and blind, number one, we need to reach out. It didn't say that Jesus went and touched every one single person of them. It says that these people reached out, which means they initiated, that they brought their brokenness, they brought their sickness, they brought their worries, they brought their challenges to Him. And number two, they touched Him. In touching Him, they were just touching the hem of His garment. They were just touching some clothing. But because they had faith, because they had seen Jesus heal others, because they knew Jesus would be able to perform miracles that he had performed on others, they believed in his power to transform them. So they touched him. So as you reach out to him, you initiate, touch him and believe. Believe that God can transform you. Believe that God can change your situation. Believe God can give you the courage to perform the mission that he has given to you. Believe that God can give you the ability to pursue the giftings that he has placed within your hands and ultimately the Great Commission. If you're fearful that you're not able to fulfill the Great Commission because you're just not an outgoing person or you're not trained enough, that you don't know enough, Just believe as you touch Jesus that He will give you the power to transform you and He will be with you as He promises in the Great Commission. And finally, number three, be transformed. As you reach out and you touch Him, you will be transformed. So in conclusion, I want to say that as we follow Jesus and as we relate with Him and others, we will relate with compassion and peace. And as we reach out to Him, He will transform us from the inside out to be more like Him. I want to pray for two groups of people here. Firstly, if you're a Christian and you struggle and you've struggled to follow Jesus, that perhaps your faith is nothing more than a ritual. It's perhaps not even the ritual that's happening right now. Perhaps you even wonder whether you're a Christian. But deep down, you You want to have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. You want to have one that is active. You want to have one that is uh, passionate and alive. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you put your hand on your heart gently? Dear God, you see these hands. These hands represent my friends, including myself. That they want to go deeper in their relationship with you. They want to follow you better. They want to have the, 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 the qualities that you demonstrate. Um, throughout the scriptures. They want to be able to be good disciples of Jesus that live like you, that have your perspective, that has has your courage and your ability to transform society. Lord, I pray that you pour out your courage upon them, that your Holy Spirit will change them from inside out, that as they reach out to you, as they touch you, that you will change them, Lord God. And as they relate to you, that they will feel your love and they'll feel your power, that you will equip them to have compassion on others to fulfill the great commission that you've given to them. In Jesus' name, amen. For a second group of people, if you're here today and perhaps you once walked with Jesus and for whatever reason you walked away, or perhaps you're not a Christian, but something you heard today has made you realize that, you know, everything around this world is so temporary and so... it. Um, 
broken it it doesn't bring uh, any satisfaction and you've heard that that's this Jesus that is God who became man to relate to us and this God sacrificed his life for you because he loved you and you want to go grow closer to this God you want to get to know this God if that is you not a Christian but you want to come close to God I'd love to pray for you would you gently put your hand on your heart Father, you see these hands. These people are saying to you, God, that they want to know you. They want to come close to you. Would you give them the ability to do so? Give them the courage to take steps towards you. I pray that you bring people around them to guide them and to lead them and to share with them what being a Christian uh, is like. And I pray that you'll help them take steps towards you to build a relationship with you. They will go for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if that's you and you've prayed a prayer to, to want to take steps towards knowing God deeper, why don't you send us a, a private message on this Facebook page or YouTube? and uh, Or perhaps you know a Christian. Why don't you tell your friend who's a Christian and let them know the good news that you want to take steps towards Him. And I'm sure they would be more than happy to lead and guide you to take you along for the journey. Well, we come to the end of our third installment of um, Jesus 101 and I look forward to the coming installments and uh, I pray that you will have a powerful and mighty week in the Lord that you would have indeed a, the greatest time in your relationship with Jesus. God bless, take care and stay safe. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website www.everynationauckland.city For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.